This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hello, my name is Eric Rosenberg. I am a, my main thing is a freelance writer about financial topics. I also have a podcast. I had my own podcast for a long time called Personal Profitability. And now I host a show called The Good Sense Podcast by PayActive. It's a personal finance show. I'd love for you guys to check it out. But that is not why we're here today. We're here today to talk about what you need to know as a podcast CFO or chief financial officer. So, First thing, let, let's ask, how many of you have a registered business with your state? Just curious, see where we're at. Okay, so like half the audience, that's great. Okay, just gives me a, an, an idea of, of uh, where everyone's knowledge is. So when you signed up to be a podcast host or part of a podcast company, you, were start, you probably noticed you wear a lot of different hats. Any entrepreneur has that problem, right? You have to be the topic expert. You have to know how the sound works. You have to know how editing works. You have to get guests. You have to do so many moving parts. And I bet you the first time you sat down at that microphone, you didn't think to yourself, oh, I should set up a bank account. <laughs> but, but that is actually something that you probably should have done. And also, I see a lot of notes being taken. I wanted to uh, let you know you can download the presentation if you go to eric.money slash PM22. I'll say it one more time. Eric.money slash PM22. So if you want to take notes, you can, but you don't have to. You can download this after. So as we just mentioned, you also handle the money. You should have set up a bank account when you set up that first podcast episode. A lot of people didn't, but that's okay. We'll talk you through all the stuff you need to know to make the right choices about handling your money and making sure you stay on the right side of the line when it comes to your business finances. So there's five main topics we're going to dive into today, um, some of them a little quicker and lighter than others. First is business registration, that is um, about what half of you have done registering with your state. Next we'll talk about financial accounts, then we'll get into accounting and bookkeeping, not a whole accounting course, just what you need to know as a business owner. <laughs> then uh, bills and collections, I know everyone loves collections because you love getting paid, right? And then finally taxes because, well, it's something we all got to deal with, right? <laughs> So first, business registration. As, as we saw, about half of you have a registered business. But a lot of people wonder, do I even have to register a business at all? And for the half of you who didn't put your hand up, the answer is you probably figured out you are in business and you didn't register. So no, you don't have to register. But if you start making money doing something, you are technically in business, even if you don't fill out paperwork saying, hey, government, I'm a business. So in that case, you're a sole proprietor. And that's, we're gonna get into what that means in a moment. But if you do decide to register, if you want to register your business, which we'll get into some pros and cons in a few moments, you would do that with your Secretary of State. So if you live here in Texas, you'd go to the Texas Secretary of State website, you could find all the forms. I live in California, so I filled out the forms there. Uh, and lastly, do you need a lawyer to register your business? That is a big no. If you know how to read and write in English, I am confident you can figure out how to write your name, address, and business name in all the forms. It's not that hard, but there are some complicated things, so some people like to pay a lawyer, but you don't have to do that. So if you wanna get your business registered, you can do it on the computer today. <laughs> As we said, 
most people, you're a sole proprietorship by default. That means you are doing business as yourself. So the pros of this is it's easy, it's instant, it's automatic. The downside is if you make fun of somebody on your podcast and they decide to sue you, they are going to sue you personally because you are the business. So you are liable for everything. The next step would be an LLC. That's short for Limited Liability Company or Limited Liability Corporation. So I said that's a, a CYA, and we gotta cover our assets. <laughs> so if you uh, don't wanna get sued personally, an LLC gives you a legal buffer. That means people can sue your business if your business does something, not you personally. And I do know bloggers and podcasters that this has happened to. It's not some like made up fairy tale. I know a guy who quoted an article from I think MSNBC that said a famous NBA player had gone bankrupt and he had not gone bankrupt, and a bunch of people quoted that article, and that basketball player, Scottie Pippen, sued all of them and said, I did not really go bankrupt, and you said I did, and that included my buddy. So you, you, it would be really good to have an LLC if that kind of thing happens. Um, finally, an S-corporation. So this is what I do myself. Um, it's not right for everybody. It really depends on the size of your business. It starts to make sense if you make a full-time income from your business. That's really the tipping point. Depending on what accountant you ask, they might say around forty dollars to $60,000 a year, and business income is where S-corporation makes sense. And that's because you can save on taxes. So in addition to that legal liability, keeping uh, basketball players from suing you personally, it also can help you save on taxes, because uh, with an S-corp, you pay yourself as an employee, and that can save you on what's called self-employment tax. But which business structure of these is best? Well, it really depends on your business. No two people are alike, no two businesses are alike. If your business is just a small side hustle and you never plan to take it full time, it could be okay to be a sole proprietor forever. You know, there's no rule against that, that it's free. Uh, it just means that everything goes through you. Uh, if you have worries about lawsuits, maybe you'll do the LLC thing. As you start to make more money, you can opt to either be an LLC taxed as an S-corp, which if I were going back, that's what I would do today or you can just be an S-Corp. I know these sound like a lot of boring accounting words, but they are really, really important when you get your business set up because as we said, it affects your legal liabilities and your taxes. But next, we're gonna move on. We're done with business registrations. Let's say you've all set up. We'll just pretend you have an LLC. We'll kind of keep the story going. Now it's time to set up your financial accounts, get those basics going. So the three main accounts that we wanna focus on today are your checking account, savings account, and credit cards. A checking account is the most important thing for any business to have. It doesn't matter if you have a lemonade stand or a podcast or you sell widgets out of a factory. You should always have a business checking account as your main place where all money goes in and all money goes out. So to do that, you'll want to start by connecting that new account with sites like PayPal or Venmo. If you have any ad networks that pay you automatically, you wanna make sure all of that money goes right into that business checking account. They should not write a check to you, the person. They should write a check to the business. They should not make a payment to you, the person. Unless you're a sole proprietor, then it wouldn't really matter. But if you have an LLC or an S-Corp, it has to go to the business. And that's for a really important reason. It maintains a solid boundary between your finances and the business finances. It's called the corporate veil. And if you mingle your personal finances and your business finances, it doesn't matter if you have an LLC, someone can still sue you personally. So it's really important to keep your business finances separate from your personal finances. 
to use this account then to pay the bills, you know, any, anything outgoing, contractors, employees, freelancers, even paying yourself. You want to pay yourself out of that account so you have a record. That's how you get money out of the business. You will pay yourself from the checking account. Uh, we're going to skip over savings accounts because they're not really that important. You can have one if you want. It acts as like a nice rainy day fund, uh, just like a personal savings account, but you don't really need one for a business. They can be helpful sometimes. But credit cards are something I highly recommend. And this isn't a have to do by any means, but credit cards offer so many benefits. I actually write for the points guy, among other websites. I'm a big credit card guy. I uh, do most of my travel with miles and points. And why would, I, you know, why would I pay for a plane ticket when I could get one for free? So using your business credit card, you can get a lot of miles and points. It opens up a whole nother realm of credit cards that you can't access as a consumer. So you can like double up on miles and points earning. But even more important for a lot of businesses, credit cards offer a ton of protections and benefits that help, and this goes for personal credit cards too. <laughs> they really help your business a lot. So uh, we'll use this trip as an example. Let's say you wanted to come to this trip and you bought a brand new Zoom mixer for a few hundred dollars and some microphones and you got your hotel booked and your flight, everything's all good. And you get to the airport and there's a big storm in Dallas, shockingly, like the other day, and your flight gets canceled and you have to spend a night at some airport somewhere. If you have a credit card with trip cancellation and interruption insurance, that credit card would pay to make sure you get rebooked on a good flight and if you get stuck, it'll pay for your hotel room. That's a really great feature. Uh, they also have purchase protection. So let's say you got that new Zoom mixer, you get here fine, and you're getting it all set up and you just bought it a week ago and it falls off the table accidentally and breaks, purchase protection kicks in that will reimburse you for it or repair. So that's a, another huge benefit to think about. Also disputes and chargebacks, if uh, you make a deal with someone and they don't come through, your credit card company might reimburse you for what happened there. And uh, you know, again, that's a really good benefit. And if you don't like miles and points like me, I, it's also cash back rewards I put on there. Um, but for cash flow, you can also use a credit card to delay paying people in some ways. So if you pay a bill right now with your credit card, your business doesn't have to pay that for probably three or four weeks. So it gives you a little buffer time to manage your cash flow. But if you're going to use a business credit card or a personal one, most important thing to remember is to always pay it off in full every month by the due date so you don't have to pay interest. If you carry a balance, you have to pay interest, and that's probably way more costly than the benefits and rewards, and that's what the banks hope you'll do. So pay off the card, don't pay any interest, get all the rewards and perks back. All right, done with accounts. Let's, uh, let's take a little stretch moment. I know we're talking about a lot of business words. I know a lot of people think like accounting is boring, but I get really excited by it. I actually used to be a corporate accountant. I use like big computers for millions of customers, but these days I just do the accounting and bookkeeping for my own business. But I know a lot of people get kind of glazed over in their eyes when they hear the word accounting. So I want to make it a little easier for you. There are two words that kind of make up accounting. The first one, count. I have a two-year-old, four-year-old, and six-year-old. They know how to count. Now, that's pretty easy. These are basic life skills. The first part of counting is just Accounting is adding up your purchases and expenses. So you don't need very difficult math. Next, account, you can think of like a category. If any of you have ever used any budgeting software like mint.com or anything like that, you can think of your business accounts similar to a budget category. So every time you have an expense or an income from your business, you'll assign it to a category. 
And that's pretty much what accounting and bookkeeping is. It's, it's really not that complex. You really did learn how to do this kind of math in elementary school, so don't let it intimidate you. So there's a one-time setup you'll want to do as you get started. This one-time setup is a little tedious and monotonous, but it's not too bad. Uh, so first, you'll have to pick your accounting software. I use one called QuickBooks. Uh, that's probably the biggest one in the US. That's not an endorsement, it's just what I use. There's other really good ones too. Uh, one that's really popular with creators is FreshBooks. I know a lot of bloggers and podcasters like that one. Xero, uh, X-E-R-O, is another popular one that's better for bigger businesses and international ones. So if you have international uh, team members or payments, Xero is a good choice. Uh, so it really just kind of depends on your preferences, so take a little time to shop around, pick the one that's best for you. Uh, you know, you want to think about cost and things like that and how easy it is to work with. So next, you'll enter your business information, and you'll follow these step-by-step -step setup steps that'll ask a bunch of questions about your business. So they'll say things like, do you have brick-and-mortar locations? Do you have employees? Do you have contractors? Uh, are you an LLC or a corporation? All, all sorts of questions. They're mostly yes or no, fill out little bubbles. There's basic things about you. And based on that, the software will create a big list called your chart of accounts. That's a, a good accounting term to know for your next uh, dinner party. Be like, oh yeah, I just set up my chart of accounts. People will be really impressed. <laughs> so your chart of accounts is just that list of categories. So like if you've used budgeting software, you probably have noticed Maybe there's a category for restaurants and a category for groceries, or you could decide to have one category for food. The same kind of thing works with accounting. You can decide the level of detail that you need to track for your business. So for me, I do some speaking engagements, so I have that as a category because I want to track my speaking income. I have podcast income, so I have a category for that. I have writing income, so I have a category for that. And on the other side, I have expense categories that I want to track really closely. So things like website hosting, uh, computer hardware, computer software. I have a category just for the podcast editor, so I know how much I'm spending on that. So anything that you want to track and understand should have its own category. That's the basic uh, rule to follow, though a lot of them will just be set up automatically during the setup steps. Finally, you'll go back to those bank accounts you set up that we just talked about a few slides ago, and you'll connect them to your accounting software. Usually, put in your username and password using a system called Plaid. It's really secure. I would not worry about it for safety reasons, as long as you're using a secure internet connection and good passwords, which you should do anyway. Always use a unique password for all of your financial sites and your hosting and all that, really for everything. But as long as you do that, it's safe. And once you're connected, the one-time setup is done. Now you're good to start getting on the uh, cruise control moving forward. So you're going to want to do these monthly tasks every month. Now some people, like me, are super into finance. I do this like once a week because I'm just, that, that's me. Most people do not need to do this that often. At the very, very least, you'll have to do this annually for your taxes, but it's really good to do this once a month. And there's four main steps. They're not all that time consuming, depending on the size of your business. For me, altogether, I'd say I could do this in maybe 15 minutes a month. I take a little bit longer because I like to get in the details. I used to be a financial analyst, but if you were not a financial analyst, you can spend a little less time, but you should still, remember, put that finance hat on because you want to learn good information about your business. So first, you'll go to that banking page on your accounting app and you'll hit refresh. That'll bring in all of the transactions from your checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, all those places we talked about. You can even link things like PayPal. You wanna make sure every transaction gets into your 
bookkeeping records. Next, you'll go through and do the account part. You'll categorize, so you'll say, this is podcast income, this is, or maybe you want to get more granular, this is advertiser income, this is AdSense income, or maybe you want to get even more granular, maybe you have uh, different products and you want to have a product category or a book category or a course category, whatever you do to make money, it's, I think it's important to track it by detail so you know how much you're getting from each project. And as far as the IRS cares, you could just put it all into one income category, but I like more detail because then I can make better business decisions. That, that's what this is all about, right? It's about making more money. It's not just about compliance, though I guess that's part of it, but we really want to make more money. That's what this is all about, right? <laughs> so next, after you have categorized every transaction, you will get your bank statement out. It can I have mine actually still come by paper in the mail for my business accounts because it's a reminder to do this. Uh, but for my personal accounts, I just have it all electronic, you know, save the trees. But for the business, I want to have that paper copy. And I sit down at my computer and I click on the bank account and choose the option to reconcile. And every accounting software should have that. And what reconcile means, it's a fancy accounting term for make sure the two lists have the same things. So when you put in your uh, ending statement balance and ending statement date, the computer, back in the day you had to do this manually, and I did this for like giant corp company bank accounts. It's gotten way easier. You hit one button and it will just tell you, does everything match? And if not, it'll tell you how much you're off by. It might even suggest where the difference is so you can find it. And the reason it's important that your bookkeeping matches your bank accounts is that's your source of truth for your business. That tells you how much you made and spent and that's what your taxes are based on. So if you have an error there, you could pay the wrong taxes. And if it's wrong one way, that costs you too much money. And if it's wrong the other way, you can get in trouble. So you want to make sure you're accurate. Um, finally, you're, this, now you're done with the have-tos. You've reconciled, you know your books are right. Um, again, we want to do this usually at the end of the month, maybe at the beginning of the month. That's usually around that time of the month. Uh, but then you'll want to print out or PDF, however you want to look at it, uh, your income statement, which might be called a P&L or profit and loss statement in your bookkeeping software. They mean the same thing. And your balance sheet. So an income statement, that tells you how much your money, your business made and spent over a specific period of time. If you're a stock market investor or not, you can actually find this for all public companies. That's why they're called public companies. So any company on the stock market, let's say, like last night we were at the iHeartRadio party, if you want to see how your business compares to Clear Channel, the owner, you can actually look at Clear Channel's income statement online and see, and they probably have a few more zeros than you do, but they can give you an idea of how their business works. And you can get that same information for your business there. Next is the balance sheet. Your balance sheet is a snapshot of what your business has and owes at a specific moment in time. So the big difference, income statement is for a time period. You could make a monthly income statement, a quarterly, or an annual. I do all three of those often to compare and see trends. Or uh, the balance sheet, I usually just care about right now, because uh, that's just what I have and what I owe. The history doesn't really matter as much. So when you're reviewing that P&L, um, I have a little quick story I want to share about what I did. So when I quit my job to go full-time, I, uh, I started as a side hustle like many of us. I was writing articles, and I hit that point where I was like, wow, I can go full-time. I can, I can make a living doing this. So I, like any good dad with a six-month-old daughter and a stay-at-home mom-wife, quit my job and sold my house and moved to one of the most expensive parts of the country. And it's actually worked out really well. And part of it is because I looked at my P&L every month. 
and I quit my job. My last day was in April 2016, and then May rolled around, and June rolled around, and I was like, wow, I've like tripled my hours on this business, but I've not tripled my income. So what's going on? So I started looking at my P&L, and I noticed I w there were two big businesses I was doing then. I had my writing business, which was making about 76% of my revenue, and I figured out was taking about 20% of my time. And I was doing website development, which made up 17% of my revenue, was taking about 80% of my time, giving me about 90% of my stress. If any of you have heard of the Pareto principle, or the 80-20 rule, it pretty much jumped out of my accounting statement, smacked me in the face, and was like, Eric, stop doing website work. This is crazy, you're wasting way too much effort, and you can make more money doing something else. So what I learned from looking at that is a really important lesson, I think, for all entrepreneurs. What works in your business might not always be what you expect to work, and it might not always be what you want to work, but if something is working, you should pay attention and keep doing that thing again and again and again, because chances are, if it's working well, it's gonna keep working well, right? So I cut off that website development business, even though I like building websites, and my income went down a little the next month, because I fired a bunch of clients. But then over the next two months after that, my income roughly tripled, went over 10,000 a month for the first time and has only dipped under a couple times since, like when I had a baby and a concussion. But that was like the biggest moment in my business was when I looked and saw that 80-20 rule on my P&L and it, it just exploded my income. It was an, an incredible find. And you might find that exact same thing looking at your uh, P&L, but only if you keep those really detailed accounting records and you track those accounts and you know where your income's coming from and you know where your expenses go. You have to make good business decisions. Remember, your podcast is a business and you are a business owner and you have to make all those decisions. Um, for the balance sheet, you're not looking for the exact same stuff. That doesn't tell you what you make. That tells you what you have and owe. The big thing to look at is you want to make sure what you have, your assets, is bigger than your liabilities, what you owe. So your assets would be things like cash, bank accounts, things. Uh, arguably, you could put computers and stuff in there, but that's uh, more complicated. You don't have to worry about it. Bigger businesses do. <laughs> for smaller businesses, um, it's important to really know your cash position. And then what you owe. Do you have any loans, credit card balances, things like that? Because obviously, just like our personal finances, we want to have more than we owe. So that's the place you want to look on your balance sheet. And the reason we look every month, look for trends, those monthly trends, those 80-20s, things like that. And every month you won't find something that will change your business, but one month you might, and that's all it takes, right? There's a one big hockey stick growth moment. All right, we're going to... Change topics again, do a little stretch. Everyone feeling good? I know this, we had like three parties so far. This is like the third hangover in a row for a lot of people who have like their kids at home and this is like their big party week. But I know we're, we're gonna do something really fun. We're gonna talk about paying the bills. <laughs> so money flowing through your business. As we talked about in the beginning, everything should go in and out of your checking account. That's the main, uh, that's the main pass through. That's your financial nerve center. If it goes through there, you know it happened. It's on a bank statement. Uh, cash, you know, make sure you take it to the bank, but we're probably not dealing with cash because we're podcasters, right? We use the internet. <laughs> um, so um, when the money comes into your business, there's a few places that'll probably come from. Again, every business is unique. Uh, these are some really common places podcasters make money as sponsors. It could be direct sponsorships or ad networks. I really like those AI ad networks. I uh, 
just got an ad recently from my like super local grocery store and I thought that was kind of creepy in a podcast. I was like, wow, how do you know I live in this like zip code? But hey, you know, that's a way that podcast makes money and that's okay because I like the show. I don't mind listening to an ad to, uh, to pay for the show, right? Uh, I hope we all feel that way or I could pay and uh, not listen to ads, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, ad networks, speaking engagements, products we talked about, subscriptions, if you do something like Patreon or have a, uh, a paywalled subscription where you have special episodes, something like that. Those are all common ways to bring money in, and those are called accounts receivable, or AR, in the accounting and business world. And AR, is you could just think of that as money you are owed. So once you've earned it, until you have been paid it, it is considered an accounts receivable. And technically, you could put it on your business sheet as an, or your balance sheet as an asset, but don't worry about that, too complicated. But you could. <laughs> it is an asset, because it is something owed to you. Um, next is accounts payable. You know, that's what you owe. So vendor bills, um, anything you're paying to freelancers, contractors, employees. Once that expense has, once that service has taken place, it becomes an accounts payable because then you owe it until it's paid. And when they haven't done the service yet, it technically isn't an accounts payable. I know we're getting into some of the nitty gritty, so I'll keep going through this one. <laughs> um, so collections and payments, you wanna automate. That's really the most important thing uh, I like to think about with this is automation because bills and collections can take a lot of time and that's time you're not working on your podcast, right? That's time you're not working on episodes or finding guests or whatever it is that helps uh, the secret sauce of your business keep moving. So if you can automate, you always should. Um, for invoices, uh, to automate, you can use your bookkeeping software. There's actually a payments and invoicing system built into most of them. So for me, I, I create an invoice uh, for my clients in QuickBooks, I click a couple buttons, it emails it to them. When I send that invoice out, it automatically puts it in my accounts receivable. QuickBooks just knows um, someone owes me money, so that's AR. And if they click on that bill, they can pay me right there. You know, it costs me, uh, if they use a card, a couple percent, but that's kind of the cost of doing business, right? I'd rather make $1,000 and pay a couple percent than not make $1,000. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you do have to deal with payment costs part of doing business. It's better, I think, as for the business to pay for it than the customer. I'd, I'd rather have that experience as a customer. So that's just my two cents on that. Um, but with any accounting software, it's good if you can turn on automatic invoice reminders. That way you can send them pestering emails on a regular schedule until they pay you. And if they're like, hey, you sent me this email, I'll be like, oh, sorry, it was just the system. It was automatic, so you can push it off. But uh, it's a good reminder and it's a good way to get paid. And I've been lucky, I've never been stiffed by a client, but it has taken a long time before. So having a good invoicing system helps make sure you keep track of what you're owed and don't lose track of those invoices. Because you always want to get paid for the work you do or the ads you sell or the business you've done, right? You don't want to let that money go. And also, a, a rule I learned from my dad, make it really, really easy to pay you. However your customers want to pay you, take money that way, even if it means you have to pay a little bit more in fees. If somebody wants to use PayPal, let them use PayPal. I heard recently at a conference, if you put a PayPal button on your site, as a checkout option, it, in addition to credit cards like through Stripe. Um, they did this uh, test and it increased sales on sites by an average of like 30%. I might be wrong on that number, so don't quote it. But it was like a dramatic increase just by adding another payment option. So if your client wants to pay you with a check, let them send you a check. If they want to pay with a credit card, let them pay with a credit card. Just whatever, how, however they want to do it, just get the money as quick as you can because every day you wait, that's a chance you won't get it. 
And if you get it, then you have it, then it's done. So try to get paid, whatever makes it easy on the other person. Um, for payments that you make, you are the customer, so you get to be a little pickier in how you do that. Um, I really like using my bank's bill pay. I think it's easy, it's quick, it's free. It, um, you can also use your uh, bill payment system in your accounting software, if that exists. Or anything I can, I auto pay with the credit card, because then I get the miles and points, I get the extra month to pay it, and uh, then I'll pay the uh, credit card through my bank bill pay. All right, last topic, we're getting towards the end, then we'll have uh, plenty of time for questions. So I know the saying, everyone knows the saying about death and taxes, right? Well, taxes are required. We're not gonna do death on this one, just taxes. <laughs> so uh, if you make money by law, if you live in the United States, I'm assuming if you're Canadian, you skip this one. <laughs> if you live in the US, you have to pay taxes if you make money, period. Even if you don't get one of those forms from the person who paid you, like a 1099 or a W-2, you are required by the IRS as a business owner, whether you're a sole proprietor or an S-corp or anything in between, to keep track of every dollar that comes in. If you've been doing this with the accounting software, that's already done though, right? You've been doing this all along. All those transactions from your bank account are loaded in, you have it all in one place. So even if you don't get that 1099 form, which you might not get, you are still required to report that income and you have it tracked. So when your taxes come and those 1099 forms come, like me as a freelancer, I'll get you know, 10, 20 different 1099s at the end of every year. I just match them up to my accounting records and say, okay, they're all there. So it's all good, it all matches. and uh, makes it really easy and quick to do taxes. So when you are getting ready to do your taxes, remember, even if you're not a registered business entity, you have to pay taxes when you make money. Um, you will use that profit and loss statement, that P&L we talked about, income statement. That is the number one form you're going to use to do your taxes. So you'll go to your bookkeeping software. Let's say you want to do your taxes for 2021 and you're running a little late. Um, hey, some people run late, get an extension, it's all right. As long as you fill out that form. You would go on to your accounting software, for me QuickBooks, and I'd say give me a P&L statement for January 1st to December 31st, 2021. And that is the form, that is exactly the steps I did when I did my taxes. I went and I got that form. I uh, personally, I used uh, Tax Act to do my business taxes and TurboTax to do my personal taxes. Not endorsing any of them, also just they work. Uh, Tax Act is actually the only software that lets you do S-Corp taxes online yourself. So that, that's, a, that's why I use them, because it's the only way. If you have a Mac, uh, that's it. If you have a PC, you can download TurboTax. But if you have a Mac, only way to do it online is TaxAct, if you have an S-Corp. So that's what I did. But um, yeah, so when you do your business taxes, you'll enter that P&L information, and it will come through to your personal taxes. When you have any of these business entities, it's called a pass-through entity. That's a good term to know. You'll probably see it doing taxes and things when you own a business of any type except the one on the bottom here. So if you are a sole proprietor, you know, as we talked about, just doing business as you, or an LLC, you just filled out the default form, you will take the information from your income statement and it will go onto a form called a Schedule C. And when you use accounting software or an accountant, they will figure that out. Uh, there's really easy prompts to do it yourself. I truly believe most of you can really, really do it yourself, even though uh, I say a lot of times it sounds intimidating, but it's like 
adding and subtracting. It's not really hard math, and there's really good guides to help you get through the steps. So if you're comfortable with computers, highly recommend doing it yourself, because you'll save a lot of money. Uh, but the Schedule C is just an extra couple of pages on your main tax return. That's called the 1040. And that number at the bottom, your profit or loss, will go onto your uh, personal tax return, and, and that's how taxes are paid. So your business wouldn't have to pay taxes to the IRS. The numbers from your business come to your personal tax return, and then you pay personally. That's why it's called a pass-through entity. If you have a partnership or an LLC taxed as an S-corp or a regular old S-corp like me, then you get an additional form. In that case, your business has to do its own taxes, but it doesn't have to pay taxes. So when, it, when you fill out your tax return using that income statement information, it'll create, it's either a form 1065, 1120S, or 1120. There's actually that top one, there shouldn't be an S there for LLC tax as an S corp. Actually, no, there, that should be, sorry, that's right. So, yeah, so it's an 1120S, 1065 are the ones you probably run into. Uh, when you do those forms or your accountant does your business taxes, along with that, there's a form called a K-1 that's automatically generated. That K-1 is the form you use to do your personal taxes. So to summarize that, to make it a little simpler, with an, a sole proprietorship or a regular LLC, your taxes are done on Schedule C. With other entities, you get your Form K-1 for your pass-through. So we've talked a few times about doing it yourself versus hiring an accountant. Uh, pros of doing it yourself, the way I like to do it, it's uh, cheaper. You can get the results done faster. Um, I actually used to use an accountant growing up because that's what my dad did, so I thought that's what I should do. And I paid him every year from my first job when I was 16 up until uh, my mid-20s, and I caught him making two huge mistakes that would have cost me a lot of money. And I realized, I know my finances better than anyone, including this accountant. So while he knows the tax code, I know my numbers, and I have not as far as I know, made any big mistakes on my taxes, and I've done them fine ever since. I've been doing my own taxes about a decade, even owning multiple businesses. Um, but when you're going along, the tax code can be confusing. Uh, sometimes, as you're filling out those forms, the prompts aren't always the easiest thing to figure out, and it takes a lot of Googling to find the right answer. So there are some time benefits when you hire an accountant, because you get their expertise, right? You can pay them, I don't know, $600, $1,000, hand them a big pile of papers, and they just take care of everything else. Uh, but you know, in my case, I found some mistakes, so it's important to review it either way. Um, they have less knowledge about your business, but more knowledge about taxes. You have more knowledge about your business and less knowledge about taxes, so it's up to you to decide which one makes the most sense. So that is, uh, that is it for the, uh, for the meat of it. Um, I'd love to connect with you all online. If you go to eric.money, there's links to all my things. Uh, the social network I'm on most is Twitter. I'm Eric Profits there. And again, if uh, you didn't hear it earlier, you can download all the slides. If you go to eric.money slash pm22. And now we have uh, just under 10 minutes for some questions. So thank you. Hi, thank you. Oh, that was louder than I anticipated. Hello. <laughs> You'd think I'd be used to a, a microphone. Um, so I have a question. Um, it's a little bit tricky. 
I am a fiction podcaster, so half of my business is creating fictional shows, and the other half of my business is performing in fictional shows, um, and also I act on the stage as well. Would you recommend, when creating my business, uh, to combine both the creation side of it and the acting side in one business account uh, and do the finances that way? Or would you recommend having one for when I'm making things and one for when I'm performing in things? Yeah, so, uh, so to summarize, if you didn't all hear that, the basic question is if you have multiple businesses, should you put them under one entity or give and account for them each separately or give them each their own business entity? And that's actually a really good question and one I've come across before. So I have run several unrelated businesses before. I used to run a flash mob company that had nothing to do with my online media business. And the legal liabilities are very different from a flash mob and a blog, right? A blog, no one's gonna probably trip and fall and get hurt and sue me. But at a flash mob, someone could very easily sprain their ankle or something. So because those businesses were so unrelated and had such different risks, and at that time I lived in Colorado, so starting a business was really cheap. It's like $50 to register there. I made one for each. Uh, now I live in California. I don't have a flash mob company anymore, but I have one business that does several things. I, as I said, speaking, podcasting, uh, writing. Uh, because they're all media related and because it costs $800 a year minimum to do a business in California, I decided they should all be under one entity. Um, so for you, it sounds like you have kind of two businesses that are super, super related and one that's a little less related. I'd say in your case, the two that are super related should absolutely be one business entity. The stage acting, I think it might be a little different. Um, for that one, I, I, it might be worth doing like a, a quick like one hour consult with a lawyer um, just to say, you know, what do you think? Because again, at the end of the day, we're creating these business entities in case we get sued. Um, in the beginning, and then to save money on taxes later on. So the talk to a lawyer if you think you might get sued. That's, that, that would be my official answer is probably ask a lawyer, but you, there's no legal reason you couldn't put them all under one if you wanted. Any other questions? If there's any um, like super personal questions that you don't want to share numbers out loud, I'll, I'll be in the hallway after as well. I want to make sure I answer every question. So one of the first things that you mentioned was setting up business accounts. And I'm just wondering, as somebody who's thought about this but has never quite jumped there, are, you can't just walk into a bank and be like, hey, I'm a business, give me an account. Like, what is the pre-work for that? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. It was how, more or less, how do you set up a business bank account? And uh, so if you are a sole proprietorship, you actually can just walk into the bank and say, I'd like to open a checking account. It would be opened under your name. So if I wanted to, if I was podcasting as sole proprietor Eric Rosenberg, I could go into my local branch and credit union, bank, whatever I'd like. Um, I like online banks personally because I don't use cash for my business and they give way cheaper fees and better interest rates. Uh, but you could pretty much just go in and say, yes, I'm, I'm uh, Eric Rosenberg and I'd like to open a business checking account and go through the process. I'm a sole proprietor and they'd use your social security number and personal information when opening it. Now, if you have a registered business or you want to put it under a business name, when you go online to get your Secretary of State registration, you'll get a form that's usually called something like Articles of Incorporation or a similar name. Uh, a printout, your bank will want to print out of that. That proves that you are a real business. 
and they can also look that up. Anyone can look up business registrations. It's all public information. <laughs> so you could, someone could look that up online and their bank can verify it. Um, you'll also need, when you open a bank account, something called an EIN. That's an employee ID number. You get that from the IRS, and you can do that for free. So once you set up your business, um, and you have your business name in your state, then you can go to the IRS website, which is oddly only open during Monday through Friday business hours. It like, closes at nights and weekends, because as we all know, the internet doesn't work on Sundays. <laughs> if, only if you're the IRS. So uh, to get your EIN, though it's free, you go, you put your business information in, and it will give you a number, and it is like the social security number for your business. And that's what you will give the bank as well. So you'll give them your articles saying, I'm a real business, and then that um, EIN number. And you'll also, if you are a registered business, just good to know about the EIN, um, you might run into a situation where a vendor asks you for a form. If, you, if you're making more than $600 a year from a company or a person, they're supposed to give you a form called a 1099, and they also give a copy to the IRS. If you're a person, a sole proprietor, you'll put your social security number on that uh, W-4, I think, is the form, or W-9. Now, there's all these form numbers, but the form that they ask for, you put your personal information if you're a sole proprietor, but if you're a business, you can put your EIN, and there's big benefits of that because you're protecting your social security number, you're protecting your personal information. So I really like having an EIN. It gives me that extra layer of uh, personal privacy protection. Okay, we have one time for one more. Um, hi, Eric. Super helpful info. Um, thanks. I'm I'm from Mexico City, so a lot of uh, what you're talking about doesn't apply to me, sadly. But um, um, what is your all these great steps that you shared? What what would would it look like in your computer? As, um, assuming I don't have a a software like I guess you mentioned QuickBooks, like. Um, what would this look like on an Excel? Can, can you run this personal finance and personal finance and your business finance in an Excel and what automation tips? Yeah, so um, the question was, can you do all of this using Excel rather than accounting software? And yes, you can, uh, but I wouldn't recommend it. I used to do it that way a little bit when I was a sole proprietor in the beginning because I didn't have that much happening in my business. I was able, I pretty much just had a checking account and PayPal and it was pretty simple, so I was able to add up the uh, income and expenses, uh, get that on a Schedule C easily for the U.S. taxes. Uh, but actually, there's another accounting software I'll throw out the name. It's called Wave Accounting, and it's free. Um, I kind of think you get what you pay for. I don't think it's quite as good <laughs> as uh, the paid ones, but it works, and it's free, and it can get you started. Um, so I have used Wave, and it's fine. So that's if you're uh, looking to save, to save on spending on accounting software, I'd maybe look that way or try to find a free option like that. All right, well, we are just about out of time here. The feed's going to turn off in a minute. So thank you so much, everyone online. I'm waving to you. And uh, thank you, audience, for being here. As I said, I'll, I'll be out in the hall to answer any questions. My name's Eric Rosenberg. You can find me at eric.money. Thank you.